Major, I must tell you the truth. I understand it's not an easy thing for me to do. What they say about us is true. We are sick and dying. You cannot imagine with the envy that I look upon you, Krauss, and Dr. Borman. I, myself, am in the first stages of mutation. You? For this reason, I have no love for you who have escaped the plague. But as the Supreme has told you, we will trust in Tarini's judgment. Major Allison, I ask you, do nothing that will bring harm to her. For Tarina is our only hope. I'm Captain Kirk. Ladies and gentlemen, may I present the winners of the 74th Annual Hunger Games. We are the men in black. I'm the doctor, by the way. What's your name? Rose. Nice to meet you, Rose. Run for your life. My name is Optimus Prime. I am the future of war. Resistance is futile. Yes, a Jedi's strength flows from the Force. But beware of the dark side. What's happening, everybody? This is Mark Daniels from the Great Pacific Northwest, and you are listening to Treks in Sci-Fi. This is episode 723 for Sunday, April 7th, 2019. I'm back this week with another classic science fiction movie. I was going to cover Logan's Run, but I found a classic science fiction B-movie on my DVD shelf. It's Beyond the Time Barrier, starring Robert Clark, Darlene Thompson, Vladimir Sokolov, and John Van Drelen. Before I get into today's podcast, I want to thank Rico for giving me this opportunity to share with all of you another classic science fiction movie. I also want to thank everyone who took the time to listen to me today. I hope you enjoy it. With that said, I'm going to play the trailer to Beyond the Time Barrier. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the rest of the podcast. I'll be back after the trailer with some movie information, and then I'll get into today's movie. A crack Air Force test pilot flies the world's newest experimental plane faster than sound. Faster than time itself. Beyond the time barrier. Hello, Allison. This is Mark. Do you read me, kid? Come in, Sands Control. Position 18 feet, 10,000 plus. Position 20, airspeed increasing. I think something's wrong. 64 years into the terrifying future. A beautiful, horrible cave world you've never dreamed of. A beautiful girl. And love. Mankind was made sterile in a great cosmic plague. A new Adam and Eve are the only male and female left to repopulate the world. I value my freedom more than this. So you will attempt this escape even though we try and stop you. Yes. 
the jealousy of a she-devil, frees the bloodthirsty killer slaves. Follow me, soldiers of revenge. I'll lead you to the captain, to food, to freedom. <laughs> survivors of the human race are doomed to murder in a killer orgy by vicious subhuman mutants. Will you die 64 years from today? We challenge you to see the most terrifying picture ever made. See the picture of your life or death. Beyond the Time Barrier is a 1960 American science fiction movie directed by Edward G. Ulmer and produced by actor Robert Clark. The story and screenplay was written by Arthur C. Pierce. It was released on September 8, 1960, and has a running time of 75 minutes. And here's the cast, starting at the top. Robert Clark as Major William Allison. Darlene Tompkins as Princess Tureen. Vladimir Sokolov as the Supreme. Boyd Red Morgan as the Captain. Stefan Bukasi as General Carl Krusa. Ariane Arden as Captain Markova. And John Van Drelen as Dr. Borman. And that's all I have for movie information. Now let's get into today's movie. Okay. So today's movie is about Major William Allison. He is a United States Air Force test pilot. He is about to take an experimental rocket-powered aircraft on a high-speed, high-altitude test. In my first clip, we join Major Allison at his mission briefing. The flight is divided into three phases. Ground to maximum altitude, maximum speed and controllability in the upper thin air, and re-entry. Now, the turbojet engine will lose its efficiency at around 50,000 feet. Allison will coast on up to 75,000 feet and then cut in the new rocket engine. He'll level off at around 500,000 feet, 100 miles above the Earth, gentlemen. For all practical purposes, Major Allison will be in space. Now, at this altitude, he'll lower the ventral stabilizers and make his high-speed stability flight progressing from position 1 to 20. Now, we know the X-80 is capable of a speed of 5,000 miles per hour. In the thin air of 100 miles altitude with no resistance, who knows? What we learn from this flight will pretty well determine our next step into space. The satelloid, a man in orbit. Major Allison boards the X-80 aircraft and takes off. He, re he reaches a height of 500,000 feet, or 100 miles, and begins to start his test run. That's when something goes wrong. He loses radio contact with ground control and has to land back at the airbase on his own. Upon landing at the base, he finds the base in ruins. So he begins walking around the airbase and eventually ends up in the woods next to the airbase when he sees a futuristic city in the distance. So he begins to walk towards the city. And as he gets closer to the city, he's unaware that he's being watched and he's also being targeted. And they fire this uh, ray, which paralyzes him and knocks him out. And then a group of soldiers come out, pick him up, and they take him away. Well, he's been taken to an underground city. 
So they have to decontaminate him because he's from outside and they're underground. So he's being decontaminated by a group of uh, soldiers and a beautiful woman named Tareen. And then once he's get decontaminated, they bring him before the leader of the underground city, who's called the Supreme and his military leader, who's called the captain. Who are you? Major William Allison, U.S. Air Force. Won't you sit down, Major? Sir, I'd like to ask some questions. I'm very confused about what's happened to me. Yes, of course, Major. Ask your questions. I'd like to know where I am and how I got here and who all you people are. And, and the airfield. What's happened to it? The airbase. Yes, I left there at 8 o'clock this morning, and a half hour later it was sh shambled, deserted. Where are Colonel Martin and the others? I, I don't understand. You are from a nation of speaking peoples. How glorious that must be. Our society is less fortunate. Your society? Yes, you see, we here in our citadel, save for my captain and myself, are deaf-mutes. Even my own grandchild, Triren. Deaf-mutes? You mean everybody? I, I don't understand. There will be time for understanding if you are cooperative. Now, tell us of your nation. I don't know what you're talking about, sir. I'm sorry. You know very well what we're talking about. You're not the first spy we've ever captured. What do you mean, spy? I ask some civil questions. I expect some civil answers. I want some answers. What is this you're wearing? This symbol, what is this? New devices to deceive us, Master. We've seen such guises before. They do not fool us. It would be wise to tell us all you know. I'm Major William Allison, United States Air Force, sir. Serial number 03564629. That's all I'm required to tell you. I will use other measures, Supreme. I will get to the truth. Wait, Captain. Major, we have saved your life. You could have been captured by the mutants. Won't you cooperate with us? With your permission, sir. What was your purpose in coming here? I don't have any purpose. You lie. You were spying on our solar energy installation. How did you find us? Find you? I don't even know where I am. You're searching for Carl Krauss and Dr. Borman. You're one of them, aren't you? I never heard of them. Where are your people living? Would you really like to know, Captain? Yes, of course I want to know. Well, at this very minute, I don't know myself. Captain. He's impossible. You're one of the escapes. Admit it. I'm an officer of the United States Air Force. I'd like someone to tell me something that makes some sense. Other nations, mutants, what kind of talk is this? He is very clever, my Supreme, but I have a plan. I can use him to our advantage. Trirene does not approve of your plan, Captain. She has found some truth in the Major's thoughts. I do not trust him. Especially his thoughts. Even Tyrena could be deceived.
Follow through with your plan, Captain. Yes, Master. The Captain doesn't believe Major Allison is not a spy. He doesn't trust this guy. So he throws him into a pit with some mutants. We see you, Captain. We see you up there. <laughs> Captain is alone. <laughs> Who are you? I can't see you. Good Lord. What's wrong with you? We will kill you, Captain. Mutants. I'm not the Captain. Do you understand? <laughs> 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 Who are you? You can talk as a man. I, I will talk. Stay back. I'll break his arm. The captain and his people are your enemies. Why? They are listening. They are listening and watching us. I don't care. I want some answers. Who are these people in this citadel? They are hiding from us. They have food. They have everything. But we will find them. All of them. And kill. Kill. Kill them. Why are they hiding? They are infected, too. They cannot escape. escape. Escape from what? You are escape, like Kyle Cruz. Who are the escapes? You. You and Cruz, you are escapes. We know. You left us to die. You ran from the plague. What plague? When? Long ago. Long ago, you left us here to die. You did this to us. But we will find your hiding place, and we will kill all of you. The guards shortly return and take Major Allison back to the Supreme. It seems that Tureen has taken a strong liking to uh, Major Allison. So Major Allison meets with her in her in her quarters. And being that she's deaf mute, she can't tell him the story. So she mimes the story about the plague and how the mutants killed her parents. And then Major Allison mentions that um, the mutants said Carl Cruz. So then Tareen takes him to see Carl Cruz and the other two scapes, Captain Markova and Dr. Borman. Tareen, it gives me to understand that you are one of us. I don't know. I'm not sure. I think you are. How long have you been here in the Citadel? Since this morning. Well, I'm not certain. I don't know. I've lost track. Time has very little meaning here in a Catalizophere. Tyrell informs me that you have been here for three turns of the Earth. That is three days. I've only been in this place a few hours. I took off from the field at 0800 this morning. I had hoped that you'd be able to explain this. Do not excite yourself. We will explain. There will be plenty of time. Let me introduce myself. I'm Carl Kruser. Used to be General Carl Kruser. This is Professor Borman. How do you do? Major William Allison, United States Air Force. Did you say United States Air Force? Yes. What's so unusual about that? Major Allison, what year was your flight in? I told you today, this morning. But what day and what year, Major? It is important we know. March 5th, 1960. 1960? He's from before the plague. How is this possible, Professor? What is this plague I keep hearing about? You really don't know, do you? No, I don't know. I don't know where I am or how I got here. And I don't know who these people are in the Citadel, either. 
Well, Trevenis found herself a big, good-looking playmate. And a fiery one, too. Major Allison, this is ex-Captain Markova. I don't know that I like what you have on your mind, Captain. Maybe when you find out what she has on hers, you'll like that better. What are you driving at? They've given you the run of this place, haven't they? Yes. So little Trevenis here can get busy and... female are you? I had to do it. Don't you understand? You mean she was reading your thoughts, things you didn't want her to know? That's right. So after Tureen leaves the room, General Crusa and Dr. Borman set up jamming devices throughout the room so they can talk without the Supreme and Captain eavesdropping on them. We can talk now, but not for long. The Captain will be up here any minute to see what's happened to his gadgets. Watch out for him. He rules this place with an iron fist. Yes, so I found out. He's determined I'm an enemy spy. A escape, he called it. That's the name they have given us, we who escaped the cosmic plague. They hate us for leaving them behind. Luckily, we convinced them they needed us. Otherwise, we'd still be down in the pit with the mutants. We keep the solar power system operating. All their skills have died off. Then the mutants are the ones who did not escape the plague, is that right? No, the people here in this citadel didn't either. They are all first-stage mutants themselves. Is that why they're deaf and mute? And sterile. Except for Trevini, perhaps. Sterile? Yes. They are a dying race. There hasn't been a new birth on this citadel for the past 20 years. That's where you fit into the plan, Allison. Make no mistake about it. What do you mean? Regeneration. Trevini has chosen you as her mate. You're the last hope of this society. I don't understand it. There wasn't any plague this morning. When did it happen? Major Allison, have you any idea what year this is? Right here, right now? Of course I know what year it is. What's that got to do with it? Everything. Major, this is 2024. It's what? 2024. 64 years into the future for you, Major. The plague we are talking about, it hadn't happened in your world in 1960. It began in 1971. Atomic war? No, no. The feared nuclear war never occurred. When men set foot on the moon, all nations started to work together to push on into space. By 1970, colonies had been established on both, Mars and Venus. Then if it wasn't nuclear war, what did cause it? A bombardment of cosmic radiation from outer space. Bombardment from outer space? Oh, now, wait a minute. You wait. Now, listen to me, Alison. The people of your world are concerned about nuclear fallout. Well, the danger is in the other extreme. The tons of radioactive dust that have mushroomed up into the ionosphere since the very first A-bomb test. That dust has remained up there and it's slowly destroying the protective screen that has filtered deadly cosmic rays from space since time began. Do you understand, Major? Yes. And all the nuclear explosions that have ever taken place on Earth have contributed to this. Yes. And every human being left has become mutant, or sterile, or a combination of both. What you say is true. Then Colonel Martin and all the others were caught up in it. What's happened to them? How can I find out? There isn't any way. It's only hope they were amongst the lucky ones who could evacuate. Evacuate? Yes. In 1973, the mass evacuation began to the planet colonies. 
Only the uninfected ones were permitted to go. The ones left behind moved underground as fast as possible and started building networks of tunnels, like this one. More than half the population of the world was wiped out during the first year. After this meeting with Krusa, Borman, and Markova, Major Allison visits Tareen at a pool. Of course, she sends him away, and on his way back to his quarters, he finds that Captain Markova has been following him. Well, she persuades him to come back to the lab by telling him that they have a way to send him back to his own time. I better get back. Wait. Cruzy has to see you. He has a plan. I don't know whether I'd better be seeing any of you or not. We may be able to get you out of this and back to your own time. How can I possibly go back to my own time if I don't know how I got here? You don't, but Cruz and Boorman do. Look, why should it be me? Why not Cruz or Boorman? Or even you, Markova? There'd be nothing to be gained by our returning to our time. It's different with you. You're from before the plague. You may be able to... I may be able to prevent it. Is that what you mean? Of course. You've got to take this chance. If you can get back to your people and prevent the plague, all this will never happen. So Major Allison goes back to the lab with Captain Markova, and that's where Dr. Borman explains to Major Allison how he went through the time barrier. Yes, I agree. I have to get back to my time, to 1960. Oh, we have a very good chance, Major, if we can reverse the phenomenon that brought you here. What phenomenon did bring me here? It is what we know as a relativity paradox. It's another dimension. A fifth dimension. Fifth dimension? Professor Borman's principle of gravitation proportion brought it about. By 1970, it became the standard system used to travel to the planets at the speed of light. Speed of light? I thought 10,000 miles an hour was fast. <laughs> yes, but there is a pitfall in the system. At speeds approaching that of light, it is possible to break the time lock. The uh, barrier that holds all things in a normal time relationship to each other. That's what happens to all of us. We have slipped out of one time sphere and into another. Captain Markova broke through in 1973 during her third flight. She was transporting supply from Central Europe to the Venus planet. The captain's men destroyed her ship. It happened to Cruz and I years later. We had returned to Earth on observation flight in 1994. Our ship crashed. 1994? But the speed I approached in the X-80 was nowhere near the speed of light. That may be. But it was just enough to create certain mathematical conditions. Let me show you. Here, these symbols represent the Earth, the Sun, and your ship. Now, consider these known facts. The Earth is rotating at a thousand miles per hour, but it is also revolving an orbit around the Sun at 66,000 miles per hour. Time, as we know it, is relative to these movements. But the entire solar system, together with other systems of our galaxy, are moving through space at over six million miles per hour. Theoretically, you had a velocity approaching the speed of light before you ever left the ground. Yes, but everything is moving at that speed together as one unit. The air, the earth, according to the law of gravity. Time is not affected by the laws of gravity. This is what happened to you. At some point during your high-speed flight, you approached escape velocity, 25,000 miles per hour. 
It was at this time that you altered your flight angle. If you hadn't, probably you would have gone on into orbit. It was this angle, at a specific altitude and velocity, that broke the time barrier. For a fraction of a second, you were suspended in space, no longer interlocked with the time spheres of the sun and the earth. Now, during this split second, our galaxy moved onward in time for what amounted to 65 years. An instant later, you had rejoined our solar system, and the rest you know. Yes. Then if I repeat the altitude, angle of flight, and speed in directly the opposite direction, I should go back into time 65 years. Mm-hmm. Precisely. Dr. Borman is working on the formula. The three factors must be exact. And we must locate an escape from the Citadel so I can find my ship. Right. We must obtain an early map of the Citadel with the tunnel work. Your air base surely must be included. They began construction as early as 1972. The maps are on file in the Supreme's chamber. There's only one way to get them, Major. You mean Tyranny? That's the only way. No. No, I won't turn her against her own people. You have to do it. It's up to you, Major. You haven't much time to decide. After leaving the lab, Major Allison is grabbed by a couple of soldiers, again, and taken to the Supreme. And this is where he and the Supreme are talking about him going back to his own time. The Supreme doesn't believe that he should go back to his own time. He doesn't believe he's, he can do it. And plus, he wants to use him to repopulate the world with Tareen. Then you don't believe it's possible for me to return to my own time. Cruz and Borman think the plague can be prevented if I can go back and inform my people. I truly wish I could believe your reasoning. But they are using you for their own purpose. They'll bring others. They'll destroy our citadel. But you don't understand. I'm from a time before any of this has ever happened. I must go back. Such things do not exist. Cruzy has created these illusions in your mind. Look, as far as I'm concerned, it's 1960. You people can believe it's 2024 or any time you please. None of this is real. It's all an illusion to me. No, my son. You're wrong. Here, touch my hand. Is that not real flesh? And these walls, are they not solid stone? And Trirene, you have touched her. Can you say she's not real? Yes, they are all very real things. But you can't prove that what you say is true. Can you prove that you are somewhere else? The Supreme, Trirene believes in what I'm trying to do. You have faith in her judgment, haven't you? Yes, but Trirene has fallen in love. Please, I ask you, give up this futile scheme. Remain here. You will inherit our domain. I'm sorry, I... I value my freedom more than this. Meanwhile, back at the pit, Captain Markova kills the soldier guarding the mutants and sets them free. This is part of their escape plan. So now Captain Markova goes and gets Major Allison, gets him suited up, and they're about to escape when the first of three double crosses happen. Where are Cruz and Borman? We're meeting them at the elevator, Alvin. You better go in and get Farina. We don't need her anymore. Citadel's in chaos. Guards won't bother with us. You don't think I'd leave her here to face this, do you? I'm taking her with me. You can't, Allison. You can't take her back with you. I'll try. 
understand. You can't take her back through the time barrier with you. Your world is before she was born. I'll try anyway. No. From now on, it's you and me. I'm going back through the time barrier with you. I'm going back to my time. 1973. The formula. You're double-crossing Cruz and Borla. Not for long. General Crusa kills Captain Markova. So it's General Crusa, Dr. Borman, Major Allison, and Tarina. And they're now heading to the escape route when Dr. Borman kills General Crusa. Dr. Borman, he wants to go back to his time and he wants to take the place of Major Allison. So he orders Major Allison to get out of his flight suit. And that's when Major Allison attacks him and he and Dr. Borman struggle. And then the gun accidentally goes off and shoots Tyrene. And of course, um, Major Allison kills Dr. Borman, but Tarina also dies. So Major Allison takes Tarina's dead body to the Supreme. Now the shadow of death darkens the halls of our citadel. Our bright ray of hope is gone. It is the end of us. No. No, it's not the end. As long as we believe, there is always hope. I'll return to my time and my people. We will prevent the plague. You'll not live in a world of darkness. I pray that this you believe in is not a dream. No, it isn't. I promise you. The Supreme shows Major Allison a way to the surface. Major Allison makes it back to his plane, takes off, and heads up to the 500,000 uh, feet level and levels off and then does the exact same test, but in reverse. And he makes it back to his time, but he's aged 50 years this time. So he manages to land his plane back at the airbase and they take him to a hospital. And the last scene of the movie is of Major Allison trying to tell the uh, government officials and, and Colonel Miller, I think his name is, about the cosmic plague. Mr. Secretary. Thank you. How about it, kid? Feel like talking? I'm ready, Colonel. Now, if you feel like you need more room, just say so. Yeah, okay. Any questions, gentlemen? Mr. Patterson? No, I, I don't believe so. The plague, the cosmic plague, none of us should go through it. We've got to prevent it. Prevent what, son? The cosmic plague. Marty, we've got to stop it. Mr. Secretary, from intelligence, we've run a check on Professor Bormann and Carl Cruz. Cruz is enrolled in a West German university. He's a leading student in astronautics. And Bormann, another student of physics and mathematics in Amsterdam. He's written papers on new propulsion systems that have astounded the scientific world. Colonel Martin. This is Tirena's ring. The Supreme gave me. Gentlemen, we 
lot to think about. And that's the end of the movie. Now it's time for some movie trivia. The working title for today's movie was The Last Barrier. Beyond the Time Barrier was shot in 10 days. Uh, Beyond the Time Barrier was made with the cooperation of the United States Air Force and the Texas National Guard. Uh, Producer and star Robert Clark uh, filmed at Fort Worth's Carswell Air Force Base, the home of the B-36 bomber. A lot of you guys probably don't know what the B-36 bomber was, but it was a intercontinental strategic bomber made in 1949. It was in service from 1949 to 1959, and it was a huge airplane with 10 engines. It had 10 piston pusher props facing backwards, and then four jet engines, two on each wingtip. And the and they would say, uh, six, six churning, four burning. And it's featured in a movie called Strategic Air Command starring James Stewart and June Allison. And that's one of the prominent airplanes that they feature in the movie. And it was also filmed at Carswell Air Force Base, which is funny because my father was stationed at that Air Force Base when they were filming this movie in 1955. The film was also... Uh, filmed at an abandoned Marine Corps air station at Eagle Lake. So when you see when he lands back at the air base and it's all desolate and has been using here, that's the Marine Corps base. Uh, It was also shot at the Texas State Fairgrounds. Uh, The interior shots of the Citadel were uh, shot at the Texas State Fairgrounds in Dallas. I just said that. Uh, The large inverted pyramids were left over from an exhibit at the 1959 uh, Texas State Fair. This movie was filmed in 1959. The uh, producers of the film arranged to use the exposition before it was dismantled, so director Ulmer capitalizes on the angular look and expanded on it. The pit had a triangular-shaped doors. Uh, They used other triangle shapes and structures to tie in with the inverted pyramids, and it looks really cool. Actually, it's a really good idea, and you do get a feel that it's underground because it's there it's filmed inside of an exposition exposition center so it's really echoey and it's really cool they did a good job some of the sound effects in today's movie were taken from george powell's the war of the worlds the x-80 experimental rocket plane was actually two different planes uh the first one was the convair f-102 delta dagger uh, that's the airplane former President George W. Bush flew during his time in the Texas Air National Guard. And the other was an F-106 Delta Dart. They're a little bit different. And the only reason I know, because I'm a sack brat and I used to love models of airplanes when I was a kid. Okay. Uh, Beyond the Time Barrier and the Amazing Transparent Man were shot at the same time and the same location. They were originally uh, to be distributed by a company called... Miller Consolidated Pictures. But shortly after the movies were completed, they went bankrupt. They couldn't even pay the film processing company to uh, prepare the film. So the film processing company seized the film and put it up for auction so they can get some money, you know. So both films, Beyond the Time Barrier and The Amazing Transparent Man, were bought by American International Pictures for a fraction of the cost. And they made so much money off of these two movies. 
So the producers of the film, the Miller brothers, so it was Miller Consolidated Pictures, it was two Miller brothers and Robert Clark. So they didn't get any of that money. The only money Clark got was um, for his, uh, his actor's fees for the two weeks. That's all he got. Director Edgar Ulmer's daughter, Ariane Arden, who's actually Ariane Ulmer, she was chosen for the role to play the Russian Captain Markova. And Captain Markova was named after a Russian ballerina at the time. And his wife, Shirley, she was the script editor on the movie. And my last bit of trivia is Beyond the Time Barrier was released as a uh, double feature with the Angry Red Planet. And that's it for movie trivia. Now it's time for the Star Trek Connection. Everybody knows I'm a big Star Trek fan and I try to find a Star Trek Connection in every TV show or movie I watch. I'm afraid to say I could not find a Star Trek connection in today's movie. So let's move right along into my comments about today's movie. I watched the 2013 DVD release from MGM Studios. It was part of a sci-fi four pack. It came with the man from Planet X, the time travelers and the angry red planet. The picture and sound quality on this movie it's fair at best. It's really not that good. The only bonus feature on the DVD was a still gallery of each film on the DVD. That's it. No trailer, no behind the scenes, Nathan. Beyond the Time Barrier is an average late 1950s science fiction B movie. It flies by pretty quickly at 75 minutes, so you got to pay attention because it moves along. The acting and special effects in this movie are fair at best. I mean, through the whole movie, uh, Robert Clark's ca uh, character, Major Allison, is about as dense as a rock. He can't comprehend that he's traveled into the future and he just keeps asking the same questions over and over and over. And I don't understand that. He's a jet pilot. He should know. He should be thinking. He should be a thinking man because not a, a caveman can't fly a jet plane. So he's got to be intelligent. Okay. And I'm not talking about George Bush. Um, that's another story. Um, the story was basically a retelling of the time machine by HG Wells. You got a time traveler who was major Allison. And then you have two groups of people. The people in the Citadel are the Eloy and the mutants are the Morlocks. And that's, that's pretty much the story. The story I think would make a great candidate for Mystery Science Theater 3000. I mean, it's perfect. It's got the right, it's about the right length and they could add stuff to it and that'd be perfect for Mystery Science Theater. And uh, I took some notes and I was writing notes uh, about the movie. And one of the, one of the notes I wrote down was during the first scene of the movie, you see uh, Major Allison pull on the Air Force Base and He's driving a 1959 Buick convertible and it's a land yacht. It's absolutely huge. And it looks like it has eyebrows. It's a really ugly car. And the air base that they're filming at, like I said earlier, is Carswell Air Force Base, which is about 100 miles from the air base I was born on in Texas. It's called Dias Air Force Base. It's 100 miles from Carswell. So that that kind of gets me going. It's like, oh, yeah, that's not too far from where I was born. The mutants. Oh my goodness. Could they, could they not afford any other special effects? Basically it was a couple guys with some skull caps 
and they went to Value Village and got some clothes for him. And that was it. That's it. Uh, another thing I, I wrote down was, wow, do they use a lot of stock footage in this movie? All the scenes of the jets and and things like that are all stock footage. So there's a bunch. There's another piece of stock footage of the mutant uprising when they're in the pit. That comes from a movie called um, The Journey of the Lost City. And I think it's a German movie from 1959. Really bad. Um, everybody in the Citadel is wearing a jumpsuit. And it's like, wow, it's just like Star Trek. In the future, we're all going to wear jumpsuits. And after looking closely at the jumpsuits, I think they're from another movie called It from Terror from Beyond Space. Because they're wearing the same kind of jumpsuits. Because after all, this movie was made on a cheap. It's a B movie. This movie is not a great movie. But it's not a bad movie either. It's one of those science fiction movies that if you're a science fiction fan like me, you got to see this movie. You got to see it at least once. You know, on a scale from one to ten, I'll give this movie, I hate to say it, I'll give it a solid five out of ten. And those are my comments about Beyond the Time Barrier. And that's it for this week's podcast. Before I wrap up today's podcast, I want to thank Rico for giving me another opportunity to share with all of you another classic science fiction movie. I also want to thank everyone who took the time to listen to me today. I hope you enjoy it. Rico will be back on the podcast next week. I'll be back soon with another classic science fiction movie. Until then, this is M5 signing off.